Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hollywood Wolfpack with Kaya Alexander. Featuring in-depth interviews and insights with professionals in the entertainment business. Get everything you need to navigate your above-the-line career right here. This podcast is often recorded live in front of Kaya students in the Entertainment Business School. You can find out more at entertainmentbusinessschool.com. Hollywood Wolfpack is the new face of entertainment business wisdom. Enjoy the show. All right. Hi, and welcome, everybody. I am your host, Kaya Alexander, and I'm here today in the house with Joshua Lastine. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Let me tell you a little bit about Joshua. So he is the founder and managing partner at a boutique entertainment law firm, Lastine Entertainment Law. He's a fierce advocate for talent, protecting artistry and show business for its players and creators. From $100 million Netflix series to $30,000 YouTube branding, his legal and talent transactions have spanned a wide breadth of media projects and studios. Joshua also serves as an adjunct lecturer on the entertainment business, on entertainment business law at the Los Angeles Helm School. And he's straight off the picket today. Joshua, welcome. Yeah. Hey, hey, thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, we're recording on Friday, July 14th um, as the breaking news that SAG-AFTRA has gone on strike. And uh, how's the vibe on the picket, Joshua? Yeah, I'm straight out of Burbank. Um, the vibe is intense. There's a lot of energy. It's a lot of the positive energy, but there are a lot of people out there in Burbank protesting right now. There's both the Screen Actors Guild, right, SAG, which went on strike as of uh, midnight this uh, past Tuesday, and then the WGA, which has been on strike now for 70-odd days. Uh, they're up there, too. So there's just a lot of people, a lot of energy, um, and a lot of camaraderie. So it's, it's, it's very interesting, um, I dare say exciting times, uh, but but yeah, definitely trying times for a lot of people. Absolutely. I was on the picket with the writers uh, and we'll come up again next week. And I think it's great that we've got this infusion of energy now uh, coming from the actors and some of the intersection of the same considerations uh, within the negotiations. And given your entertainment law experience and your profession, I'm really curious your perspective on how these negotiations have gone and especially in the realm of AI, which I imagine affects a lot of your clients. Yeah, you know, I don't have a, a inside ear into any of the actual what's going on in the negotiations, but from my understanding, they're not going well. Uh, both both the writers and actors have legitimate concerns as it relates to AI, but I think it's kind of a a micro example of a larger macroeconomic issue. You know, it affects actors, it affects writers, but I don't think that this is the the only industry that AI is going to impact. This is going to span truck drivers, this is going to span um, doctors and hospitals and all other sorts of industries. So what happens here, you know, with eyes on the WGA, eyes on writers and eyes on the actors might be a litmus test for, you know, where labor goes in the future in general as it relates to AI. Do you think it'll set some precedents what's coming out of this? I, I think it will. I think it will. Or at least we'll, you know, we've started to see um, corporate kind of response to, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the laborers kind of demands as it relates to AI. And so far, their response hasn't been good. Yeah. Have you been following Sarah Silverman's uh, lawsuit? Uh, I haven't, no. Yeah, I was just curious if you had any thoughts about that, but we picked that up another time. Um, so what, do you, what opportunities do you think are going to come out of this pivot point in Hollywood for the creatives? 
Yeah, you know, there's going to be a lot of opportunities in non-union work, right? Like UCG, user or user-generated content is going to be very big. Commercial work is still going to be very big. Um, you know, with the last writer strike, we saw an uptick in in unscripted TV. We'll probably see a little bit more of that. But you know, I, I I'm a firm believer that it's always darkest before dawn. I really hope that you know, post these intense negotiations, post finding a resolution and path forward the industry will come back stronger than it's ever been um, and, and more content will be produced than ever. I have, you know, lots of clients that are still very eager to get back to work on all sides of the talent table. Um, and, and these, you know, kind of negotiations and stalls and delays, they're, they're, they're important, but nobody wants them to happen, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you have a really interesting intersection in your work between like traditional Hollywood entertainment and then also the rise of YouTube and TikTok. And I am so curious about that because I've been following, I have an 11 year old. So I've been following the career of Mr. Beast, you know, who we now know is billion dollars and the influx of uh, really retail media. YouTube is so powerful. It's basically television. Mr. Beast has a TV show. Um, and for my own students in the entertainment business school, I've been saying, try to do a bit of both. And, you know, you have your traditional career and also you should be taking advantage of YouTube. Can you talk to us about some of the trends that you have been seeing um, within your realm of, of that vantage point? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I guess I'll just kind of start with like a micro example. I was at the, you know, 7-Eleven the other day and I saw Mr. Beast bars, uh, which yes, I think um, um, and, you know, I just think that that is an absolute example of masterclass in, in personal branding. Um, you know, we have seen things like this in the past with the Kardashians and you know, the, the, the Paris Hilton and stuff like that in the past. But I really think that artists in general should be very, very focused on how they're building out that personal brand. You know, I have a, uh, an actress, she's 14 years old. She's on a um, Nickelodeon show right now. And we're starting to think, you know, strategically as she's making the jump from young, young actress to young adult actress, how she brands herself, how she uh, is involved in, in charities, how she's involved in other businesses, um, you know, starting maybe essentially a vegan clothing line, just you know, for example, um, but but really, you know, just being cognitive that you are not only an actor or vice versa, if you're an influencer, not only an influencer, you can use those as a pivot to to broaden your your expertise or broaden where where your message is heard between all media. Absolutely. You can both make an impact and build personal wealth when you nail your branding. I spend a whole week on the entertainment business school with my students on their branding and working on, you know, crafting their personal brand. It sounds like you're really interested in that as well, because that's where the power is. It, it captures the attention of execs too. When you can say, my brand is this, and then they get that, they see, you know, they see money. They go, oh, okay, you know who you are. We know how to plug you in. And that just ultimately improves your positioning so much in the industry. Uh, that's, yeah, that's really interesting. What advice do you give to writers about that? Because of course, actresses out in front, you know, Instagram and everything else. But what about the writers with their branding? Um, you know, the tried and true methods of just continuously doing competitions, having your screenplays uh, circulated, various websites, the, the brown list, the blacklist, whatever. Um, and and I mean, even just kind of doing more quote-unquote traditional networking than that was probably done before. Um, networking, social media, again, personal branding, all of that is going to get you in front of the people who make these decisions that are have the power to get things greenlit, that have the power to find financing, that have the power to attack stars, actors, directors, and whatnot. Um, um, so, so, yeah, just being out there and, and having yourself seen. Um, I use LinkedIn quite a bit, and I'm finding that more and more artists are starting to use LinkedIn, which is kind of cool, because um, I'm constantly looking for um, artists on LinkedIn, and it's usually probably 90% of the time that I, I don't find them on LinkedIn, maybe 10% of the time I do find artists, but usually more 
producers and sometimes directors, not as much writers and actors. Yep, the producers and the execs being on LinkedIn. I give that strategy to my students too, you know, triangulate between IMDb Pro and LinkedIn and start looking for your wolf pack. Find, you know, for as a writer, you may not be in the WGA, but you can find producers who may be interested in the type of screenplay that you've written, who have, you know, few similar projects under their belt who could say, oh my gosh, this would be perfect as my next project. And they're out there, they need you. And, you know, we're we're coming out of the pandemic, right? Like we can now go back out and we can network. It is summer in LA. It is hot, but beautiful outside. Um, so, so we should be out, you know, mixing and mingling and talking to one another. And I really do believe that networking and or fostering relationships, if you don't like the word networking, that really is what makes the difference in people's career. And it's a longevity game and you just have to keep, got to keep moving. It's so true. It's a people business. It's about making friends. Um, it's about who you want on your boat, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yeah absolutely. Pal, um, who's going to be there for you when things are tough. I get the question a lot, both from my audience and from my students. How do I find an entertainment attorney? When do I need one? Could you speak about that a bit for us? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it is tough because some entertainment attorneys don't brand themselves. Some entertainment attorneys don't have a website. We do have branding. We do have a website. We are easy to find and easily accessible, um, but we're kind of more of the rare exception. Um, I always say that, you know, if you're if you're working in, in talent fees, somewhere around fifty dollars to $100,000 a year, you should have an attorney overlooking your, your contracts, just to be sure. If you're selling your likeness, your image, if you're a model, an influencer, you're having someone who's taking your image and using it for their personal branding, you probably want an attorney to look at those contracts because you want to know exactly what they can do and how they can use their image and likeness. And I kind of think that that bleeds into, you know, what's going to eventually be the more of the AI issue, because are you going to be able to take, you know, a picture of a model and then use that image to create your own AI image of that uh, model or influencer and, and use it in perpetuity for marketing and advertising. Well, hopefully, you know, post these bag negotiations, there'll be some restrictions, but at least at the federal level, there's obviously no laws that kind of contemplate this exact issue. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. And it's important to be considering at what stage of your career you should really be looking for an attorney, you know, because that's a longer relationship, right? Like your manager or your agent may come and go, but your attorney is going to be with you for your career, right? Yeah, you know, I would say start to build those relationships as soon as humanly possible. Maybe you don't get represented by an attorney, but I do a lot of hip pocketing, meaning, you know, I'll, I'll be in contact with a lot of talent. And if the opportunity comes up where there is a chance for me to represent them, I'm kind of not at the speed dial, but I at least know who they are and familiar with them. And, and it's not just kind of a cold call out of nowhere, um, you know, but I do a lot of um, um, reviewing contracts between artists and their managers. Um, that's a big contract and a big relationship. You're relying on your manager quite a bit. Um, they're not as heavily regulated um, by the by the government as agents or lawyers are. So those contracts can be a little bit more wild while the West, especially as it relates to influencer managers, OnlyFans managers, Instagram, like that kind of stuff. Wait, OnlyFans have managers? They do. They do. They do. <laughs> <laughs> so old sometimes i'm just like what is happening to the world joshua <laughs> no no and actually i i you know OnlyFans is a kind of a platform that i think you know gets a, a, a reputation for being one thing but i don't know you mentioned sarah silverman earlier but i'm pretty sure um whitney cummings has had a comedy special on OnlyFans. um i wouldn't be surprised if sarah silverman and some more of those edgier comedians start looking for alternative platforms to, to make comedy or make content as, you know, Netflix isn't paying, Amazon isn't paying, can't put, you know, that kind of stuff on Disney. Um, you know, the, the, we could see a new renaissance of people trying to break away from the traditional distributors, going to things like Tubi, going to things like Roku Channel um, and OnlyFans. <laughs> Yeah, that's so interesting. And I imagine that TikTok, you know, plays in there as well. I'm an author, novelist, and book talk is, you know, just huge and so supportive of writers at a time when, you know, you don't get a lot of support as a writer out there. Or do you have a bunch of your clients on TikTok as well? 
a bunch of my clients are on TikTok. Unfortunately, I am not yet. Uh, my social media team is always on my case to get on TikTok, but you're uh, not busy or anything. So I'm you- not busy or anything. No, <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I haven't made the leap or jump yet. I have Instagram. I just downloaded Threads. So I, I, I just downloaded Threads too. I haven't populated it yet, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I tr- I try to stay relevant, but that's why I have a social media team. They're supposed to get that going. For me. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So what do you think is going to come out of the strikes? Like, how long do you think it's going to last? You know, do you see, what is your prophecy about what direction you think this is all going to go? It is so tough to say right now. I really think it could go a long time. Um, I think that both sides, not both sides have some good issues, but I think both sides are very adamant about their position. And it sounds like they are, you know, kind of a long way apart. And, And like I said, I think the existential crisis of AI goes above and beyond just, you know, asking for a pay raise. Um, and, and, you know, when, when they have the ability now to take a person's image, scan that, repurpose that, and then put it into an algorithm, into an AI generator and say, here's a script, type it and say this, you know, that, that's, that's an awesome power. And I use the term awesome in the most negative kind of way, because it's, it's awesome. It's awesome trucking that, that we have this capability now, but you know, like Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility. We, we have to figure out a way to use that in a way that doesn't replace humans, whether that's actors, writers, truck drivers, uh, burger flippers in McDonald's, et cetera, et cetera. So, so again, you know, I think that the, the, this fight is the first of many that will be had. Um, and I hope that, you know, between the WGA and, and, and SAG, I hope that they can remain in solidarity with one another. Um, I think that that's going to give them the strongest leveraging point. You asked me how I think it's going to turn out or when I think it's going to end. Uh, I, I can't even venture a guess. Your crystal ball's broken. Mine is too. My, my, mine is broken. You know, I think <laughs> I had just graduated high school when the, the last writer's strike happened. Um, and it killed my favorite show, Heroes, at the time. Heroes was incredible. Oh, yeah. I loved Heroes. Absolutely. Yeah. I know. It was so sad. So, so, but at that time, you know, it wasn't too guild striking. Streaming wasn't necessarily the, the same kind of existential threat as AI. Um, um, yeah, so it's interesting time. Sure is. Um, you know, you mentioned how far apart everybody is in the negotiation, you know, and this is why the guilds have ended up on strike. And so it sounds like you have expertise in negotiation, especially given your experience uh, in entertainment law. And I'm curious how you advise your clients when they get into negotiations, you know, how do you ask for more? What positions do you do um, advise that they take? Yeah. You know, I kind of have clients that are on, on opposite ends of the extreme. I have some clients that are very, I don't want to ask for anything. I don't want to rock the boat, just accept whatever comes through the door and let's not make a fuss. And to them, I always say, you know, it, 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 it never hurts to ask, and I am your advocate on your behalf, and I'll be the one that kind of steps in in between. Even if you don't have that middle person, you should always ask. People don't know what you need until you communicate with them. Um, you know, like I said, I, I represent a young uh, young actress, a fourteen year old girl. She has allergies when she's on set that we have to make the, you know, a uh, showrunner, the production head, the makeup artist, the hair, you have to make them aware ahead of time. And that's not being a pain. That's just knowing yourself, knowing what's going to bring out the best in your own work. Right. And, and, you know, yes, having a little bit of confidence, but you know, it, it, it we're all human. Um, and, and you just kind of have to ask. Would that show up as a writer, something like allergies? Does that go into a contract? I mean, that's really important for everyone on set to accommodate if, if one of your clients has allergies. 
So, so probably not for a writer, probably more for a lead actor or one of the main um, reoccurring actors that's on set. For writers, it could be everything, you know, from maybe even just having snacks within the writer's room, which wouldn't necessarily be a contractual obligation, but it is something that an agent, manager, and attorney could probably pick up the phone and make a, make a, a few calls to try to resolve quickly um, in an amicable way. I mean, really, at the end of the day, we should be all on the same team in that, like, our our goal, our, our guidepost, our, our lighthouse, if you will, is to be making good content, making great content, whatever that is, right? And so, you know, we, we, we all want to row in that same direction. We want a happy, you know, workforce, <laughs> as we're talking about these strikes and stuff going on right now, we want everyone to bring their best work to the table um so so don't be meek or modest know your worth know what you need in order to get that best work out of yourself um and and if you can't stick up or speak for yourself find someone to kind of be that advocate or even you know just make up somebody just say this is my agent and start you know an email address no I, i'm kidding i don't know <laughs> So on the other side of the spectrum, do you have clients who are really driving the negotiations? Like, or I want X, Y, Z. Yeah, I do have um, clients that come in every now and again and have certain expectations about how the industry works. Maybe they read something in a magazine. Maybe they saw something um, and they are stuck on a particular issue. You know, a lot of times the, the contract language that is presented to a talent may not read the most user-friendly, if you will. A lot of legalese and the language might come off strong. I've sometimes had to talk artists kind of uh, off the ledge, if you will, to say, you know, it's, it's not that they're trying to offend you with this contract language. This is what it is. And you may have these sticking points, but, you know, in order to get something made, right, in the furtherance of getting something made, you're going to have to give something up. And we have to find out what, what it is that is most important to you and what we can use as a trading stick on your behalf to get those main issues, you know, across the finish line for you. And, you know, sometimes there isn't a deal to be had. Sometimes a, a, a bad deal is worse the no deal. Um, Sometimes you have to walk away from a deal, but it's just, you know, about hearing out both sides, figuring out what the, what I like to call the proverbial end zone for each side is, and where can we find the 50 yard line or or, or where can we be in the middle? You know, sometimes uh, my students are asking, well, you know, what can I ask for? And I know, of course, you're going to command more respect when you ask for more money. So let's say you get to that certain threshold where you're like, okay, we're confident that we're getting you a good deal and that this is the most amount of money that you're going to get in this contract. What other types of things should your clients be thinking about asking for inside their contracts? You know, I would always be just thinking about work conditions. Uh, um, you know, if you are an actor, if you are someone who's going to be on set, what does that look like from a day-to-day perspective? And a lot of times in actor deals, especially with the high-level actor deals, we try to negotiate, you know, an eight-hour, you know, limitation on set, can't work beyond that. Doesn't usually fly for TV as much as it does for film and indies. Um, but, you know, um, um, what is your work condition like on set? If you're working from home, are you going to have access to laptops? Do you have software that's particular to your work, like post and editing, um, that you're going to need access to that the studio can provide? Um, lunches, expenses, those things, uh, uh, hair, makeup, wardrobe, all of the above. Uh, if you're an actor, so so a work conditions, um, and, and you're, again, you're you're only limited by your own imagination. I bring up the example again of the allergies because that's very particular. Um, but you know, I have actor deals that I've negotiated where we've had to do you know dialect coaches, and we've had to do horseback riding training, and, and we've had to do um, you know personal gym on location and stuff. Cell phones, if you're going to be in another country, um, it's kind of important. Rental cars, uh, uh, things like that. So, so think about, again, what you need to perform at your best, whatever that job is, and, and find a way to kind of articulate what those needs are to the other side. That's and really again, interesting. Do it nicely, do it congeally, do it amicably. You don't have to be a jerk about it. 
but but know what it is that you need to to get the best work out of yourself. I like that positioning a lot because what you're saying is to make sure that your artists are in touch with themselves to know what their best performance is going to be and what they need in order to deliver that, which is the best case scenario for everybody. And that those elements should be considered within their contracts, if I'm hearing you right. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, if you are a writer, you want to be the Tom Brady of writers, you have to train and work and live as if you are the Tom Brady of writers, you need access to these things to 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 be the best at your performance. Um, and hopefully, whoever it is on the other side of the table, they want that out of you as well. Like I said, we're all working probably towards the same thing. I love that. So for those who are just starting their entertainment business careers, could you talk about some mistakes to avoid, some pitfalls that they should be avoiding as they're getting into this business? One pitfall that I'm starting to really see lately is is an eagerness to jump into more advanced work. And I can understand that, especially with the pressures of inflation and the economy and everything as it is. But, you know, I I, I started out in the CA mailroom. Well, really, I started out with unpaid internships all throughout law school. And then I started out in the CA mailroom at minimum wage. Um, I, I wouldn't wish that experience on my worst enemy, per se. But it really did make me that much better of a negotiator, that much better of understanding the industry. I have connections still that, you know, either still work within the agency system or who are now out as their own creatives who are, have become clients. Um, don't be afraid to start out at the bottom. Don't be afraid to roll up your sleeves and, and, and get your hands dirty. Um, you know, there was a time I was interning for, for Marvel Studios and they were moving the office from, from the Manhattan Beach location to the Burbank location, ironically, just where I was at. Um, and all of Kevin Feige's signed autograph posters, um, the framed ones came in a truck, but they didn't have anyone to unload them. I was the only person, only intern there that day that that could do it. So I took off my suit and tie and work shirt and, and hauled these giant, you know, priceless signed autograph movie posters of Iron Man and the Avengers and stuff up oh, to Jeff Feige's office. And, That's and, so cool. So, you know, again, I was legal intern. I wasn't a production intern, but sometimes you just have to chip in and, and, and help out. Yeah, I love that. Hey, where'd you go to law school? Uh, Pepperdine. Oh, you went to Pepperdine? Yeah. Pepperdine. Do, you know, do you know Will Nix? I do know Will Nix. I know oh, him. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Tell him I said hello. If you talk to him, I haven't spoken to him a few years now. Um, since starting this law firm, I feel like I've I've been in kind of in a in a tornado or a vacuum. Oh, I bet. When did you start the firm? We started in 2021, so just shortly coming out of the pandemic. Oh, that's when I started the entertainment business school. We started businesses at the same time. Very cool. Very cool. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. I love that. That's fantastic. Well, I will tell Will that you say hello. He has been such a supporter of mine and the school. And um, he's been somebody who has given us some fantastic documents, such as budgets on films, which are really hard to come by. And I love to be able to provide as many examples as I can for my students of business documents. So it's been really helpful. Yeah, no, no, he's great. And, and you know, uh, anything that you can get your hands on to read as far as contracts and business documents, I, I literally save everything that comes across my desk because I never know when I'm going to need it again. Um, it could be a nice tool um, for, for learning and finding something later on when I have a similar deal down the road. That's really interesting. It's true. It's true. It's smart to to do that. At Pepperdine, did you know, okay, I want to be working in entertainment? Had you already had that in mind uh, by the time you got into law school there? Yeah, yeah. I was really um, kind of interesting and unique. I, I'm from Iowa originally, small what? town, like uh, 500 people in the middle of nowhere. Um, but I knew even then early, early on that I wanted to work in entertainment and, and not just work in entertainment, but probably be more on the business side of things. Um, you know, the, the original Star Wars VHSs, they had the, the, the after the movie behind the scenes uh, interviews of Alan Ladd, one of the executives at Fox. And I always thought that it was just so cool that you could marry these two interests between 
being a business person, being a professional who, who, who works on things like budgets and contracts and getting people to and from set and actually making the physical thing happen in addition to the creative side, right? And so, you know, I always wanted to be tangentially related to the creative side with, without necessarily being a creative myself. So, so very weirdly new growing up as a kid, this is what I wanted to do. Wow, um, that's super weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, went to, went to undergraduate at the University of Northern Iowa, where I majored in um, economics um, and did all of my research and thesis papers on Hollywood economics star power in, in 2008 and box office receipts measured against unemployment rate and GDP. Very, very boring and dry stuff. Um, and then I also ma uh, majored in English literature and got kind of an emphasis or minor in film studies. Oh, that's really super cool. Um, did you think you were going to be maybe on the exec path or did you know pretty early, okay, it's going to be law for me? What was the thinking? So I, I knew I was always going to go to law school um, and I kind of Start off, started off in the business, more business affairs world. Like I said, I was at CAA for a brief period of time and I was in business affairs there after the mailroom. Um, I was at Lionsgate TV and I was in business affairs there. Uh, but it was, you know, kind of going over to a law firm and kind of learning, you know, what I like to call lead, uh, production legal show management. So, so a lot of my job for TV and film is to kind of work directly with the line producers and UPM to make sure that the day-to-day -day of filming gets done, whether that's, you know, renting cameras or hiring locations department, bringing in transportation, blowing things up with VFX, uh, actor complaints, you know, you know, traveling crew to, to Bogota, Columbia for a shoot, hiring drones. Um, I really like being in the thick of all of that and being kind of um, the one to help, help oversee and wrangle up the parties to make the contracts to make that stuff happen. That's so cool. I, I love that you found your path so early and have really plugged yourself in and made that happen. I feel like that's unusual. Um, a lot of my students come like mid-career to this industry. And of course, the pandemic has shifted maybe all of us going, hey, life is short. What do I love? What do I care about? What am I passionate about? What matters to me? Um, and for so many of us, storytelling uh, is at the heart is at the heart of it. So I'm curious to tap your economic background, your overview of the industry, because this is such an interesting time with the streamers. I mean, we've got Amazon and Apple, which are multi-trillion dollar companies. And then you mentioned like Lionsgate, you know, Lionsgate and stars are like, yeah. Um, by comparison in size. So do you have any predictions about where you see the entertainment landscape shifting, uh, even coming through this very volatile year? Yeah, you know, um, um, again, I'll kind of use an analogy or an example um, that I've been thinking about or reading about recently. If you're looking at some of the biggest movies to come out this year, um, we have Barbie that's coming out very soon. Um, we had the, the Nike Air Jordan story that came out. Um, there was the Tetris movie on Apple. The there Tetris was, movie in uh, here was great too. Uh, Blackberry, Flaming Hot Cheetos, Super yeah, Mario maybe. Brothers. Um, if you're kind of noticing a reoccurring trend or reoccurring theme across a lot of these movies this year that are doing big numbers, it's not necessarily that they're built on IP franchises the same way that, you know, Marvel, Harry Potter, DC was in the, in the 2010s, but it's all very much related to brands um, and, and more corporate brands and products, really. Um, and it's kind of a funny thing because when Netflix hit the scene, you know, 2012, 2013, it was very much from a position of we are kicking the advertisers out, no commercials, streaming isn't going to drive its, its, its uh, budgets and revenue from advertising, um, and they're going to just kind of self-generate their content. And that works if you are an Apple with a trillion-dollar company or if you are an Amazon that's a trillion-dollar company, but it doesn't necessarily work if you're a Lionsgate. Um, that business model isn't necessarily the same. And, and it doesn't necessarily work for television. I think that's kind of what, you know, David Dazeloff has spoken a lot about since, since becoming, uh, taking over the, the Warner Brothers brand and merging it with Discovery Channel. You know, he's a very old school network TV guy. He's used to selling advertising across all of his, his TV shows in order to supplement the cost of those shows. Um, so 
in a roundabout way, what I'm trying to say is that I think that we're going to see a lot more advertised driven um, content, whether that's, you know, direct uh, commercial AVOD, fast channel, um, those type of stuff, or where you'll see brands linking up with traditional film studios or, or even new, um, you know, content creators like, um, you know, for Flaming Hot Cheetos, um, um, what's her name? I, I was escaping me right now, but that was her. Eva. First Eva. Eva. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Eva Longoria. So, so, you know, giving, and that's actually very cool because it gives us a lot of new content creators an opportunity to go into those spaces because it's the advertisers who are really going to bring the money to the table. That's interesting. Okay. So the brand placement of something like Cheetos with Flame and Hot Air, um, they're investing into those productions and how much? I, I wouldn't be, I, I don't, I can't, again, I can't speak specifically about these, these things. I don't know exactly, but I wouldn't be surprised if they have, they have, have some sort of joint relationship. There's some sort of mutual back scratching between the two. Um, and advertisers have been kicked out of that, that Netflix game for a long time. So they are looking at new creative ways to, to, to generate eyeballs on their products. Um, you know, you mentioned TikTok earlier. Um, again, I'm not super familiar with the platform, but I know Chipotle has like a big presence on TikTok and there's a lot of you know, uh, UCG or UGC's user generated content creators that like use do burrito challenges and stuff like that. And so that all goes back into to bolstering the brand. And then I think the brands see that and they say, hey, that's worth worth investing in terms of creating content. Yeah, this is a good point of uh, consideration. I loved all those movies, Tetris, Air, Flame and Hot. I watched them with my son and we're always looking for things that we can watch together that are, you know, family friendly. You know, we have our different lanes, the things that he loves, like Pokemon, you know, the things that I will watch um, that are, you know, sexier, darker <laughs> sometimes or funnier. Um, but it's always great to find some intersection with what we can enjoy together as a family. And I feel like it's really hard to find. I mean, it's an interesting summer because you mentioned Barbie coming out. That's like next weekend. Um, and the tie-in now that we have Barbenheimer because Oppenheimer and Barbie are coming out on the same weekend. It's going to be yep. interesting to see. Um, and then of course, Mission Impossible is this weekend. Um, and, and Tom Cruise, I bet he stays King. He doesn't seem to ever have a misstep in his entire career. It's mind blowing. Um, and everybody's raving about this one. So I'm excited to see it too. And it's, we're we're excited to see it. We, we, we just started doing all the movies again. So we watched one, two nights ago, we watched Mission Impossible 2 last night. We'll watch three and four tonight and over the weekend and stuff. And then eventually go, um, oh, little ritual my wife and I have, we always got to get caught up agree caught up on the movies before they come out again. Yeah, I love that. We did the same thing with Indiana Jones uh, when we went to go see it in the in the theater. Uh, it, it's wonderful, the traditions of this. I mean, I, you don't have kids yet, right? No kids yet. No kids yet, yeah. And it's what I got to tell you, one of the most heartwarming things that I have experienced as a parent is getting to sit with my son and show him something that meant something to me when I was a kid and the tradition carries on like Indiana Jones. You know, we watched all the old Indiana Jones together that I loved as a kid and had conversations about it. And then we went to go see the most recent Indy and, uh, you know, it's really spectacular to get to share that, um, something that, you know, we grew up on that we get to share with the next generation. And I love that about the legacy of our industry, you know, the really passionate fans, what we absolutely love, what we want to share with our own families, you know, the tradition you have with your wife of enjoying the entire um, series going up. It, it, it's interesting because you mentioned, you know, the, the individual movies, like the ones that we've just talked about. And then of course, these massive franchises that have been going for a long time. And Zaslav, of course, has just renewed. I think it was Harry Potter, right? He's got Harry Potter that he's about to totally reboot. And I'm going, didn't we just have Harry Potter? Like, didn't we just have Lord? I know these things were 20 years ago, but it, it's like, it's wild. But I'm like, oh, right. We have this whole new generation that we can introduce uh, to these stories. But what do you think? Do you think we really need a whole new Harry Potter? Do we need like uh, to go back to all of these? What do you think? Personally, I think that there's a lot more to that well than rebooting the entire franchise. So I was a little, as someone who's a, uh, a self-admitted, very big Harry Potter fan, um, I thought there was a lot of different creative avenues that they could have taken that franchise rather than recreating it 
Um, but by the time it comes out, you know, it, it, I, I may be of that age where I'm finally kind of like what you said, will have children and want to introduce them to things. And it might be a, a, a cool that we'll maybe be experiencing it, watching it for the first time together. Um, as opposed to just me showing them the the old uh, you know tapes that are going to seem extremely outdated in you know <laughs> ten years. Yeah, and not everything ages well. My son is super hip to this, and he'll watch something and go like, "Mom, there's no black people in this movie. This is like ridiculous." You know, he the, the awareness of culture is so much stronger um, with the younger generations, which I I just absolutely love that. Um, yeah. So when you first sign with a client, you know, you decide, okay, I'm, I'm going to work with this person. Um, what, how deep do you get into the nitty gritty of like their whole brand or their goals um, within their entire professional career? So, so it's not something that I consider, at least in taking somebody on, like if, if, if someone has a contract in hand and I have the time and the bandwidth availability and the attorneys will help somebody out with the contract. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to take on a more active relationship um, in that representation for for the the clients that I am taking a more active hand in, like you know maybe helping shop out materials or make introductions, networking or making suggestions here or there on their careers. Then I am looking for people that have kind of that knowledge that 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 is what they're supposed to be doing um, is is creating their own brand and their own voice. Um, and I am very attracted to people who, who know what that voice is right when they come into my office. So, so one of the girls I represent, uh, represent she, she is a, uh, a content creator for TikTok. Um, and she goes to, you know, haunted uh, famous sites throughout the country. And she talks about spooky things and does Edgar Allan Poe reading. Um, and, you know, she came into my office and she very much already had that brand established for herself. And I was like, I, I see your vision. I see your passion. Um, I see how hard you want to work. I think that that's really the, the, the main thing for me is like, you have to want this as much as I want this for you because I, again, I'm not your agent or manager. I won't be going out and getting you jobs. I'm your lawyer. Um, you're going to have to stand on your own two feet as a brand. I can just kind of show you the things that I've seen over the course of my career. Yeah, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense. So when, um, for my audience for my students wondering, okay, well, I, now I'm going to talk to an entertainment attorney and I'm trying to figure out if I want to work with them. What do you recommend? Are there questions that they should ask that attorney? Is there a way to like dip the toe in without diving all the way in? What do you think? Yeah. You know, if you want to dip the toe in without like fully driving in, you know, asking someone out the coffee is a very personal thing. Make it easy, make it convenient for them, provide them with your resume and, you know, kind of have a reason for why you're reaching out to them. You're not always going to have a contract in hand, but it is always, you know, good to know that like, hey, I'm working on X, Y, Z things in the background and something could kind of come up in the next two to three to six months, and I'm, I'm looking to establish and make those connections right away. Um, the, the one thing that you shouldn't do is, you know, reach out to an entertainment lawyer thinking that, oh, they're going to be the ones that, that move the ball substantially forward. You kind of have to already have the ball and, and be running with it, and then the, the, the attorney will be your blocker. How can you tell if they're going to have your back or not? I mean, I've honestly had some clients that within my coaching business that have come through have gone like, yeah, I feel like my lawyer screwed me. So how, how do you, you know, navigate knowing who this person is and if they're going to have your back? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, word of mouth reputation is huge in entertainment. That that's always been true. So so ask your friends, ask around, ask for referrals. 
Um, but really doing these Zoom meetings now is really great because you can see people one-on-one -on -one and you can kind of gauge their level of interest, gauge their passion, um, see who else they represent that might be, be similar to what it is that you're doing. Um, but really, you know, my clients like to work with me because they like me as a person. Um, and I say that, you know, uh, amongst almost all lawyers, uh, a lot of lawyers out there, they, you know, may not go to have went to Harvard Law or Yale or whatever, but if their client really likes, the, likes them, they will stick with them till the end. Yeah, I, I call that finding your wolf pack. Yeah, find your wolf pack. That's really good. I like that. Yeah, you want an entertainment attorney who you want in your wolf pack, somebody who you really like. And I think that that's truly important. An entertainment attorney, the one that I'm always constantly advising clients to go out and find is a good accountant, bookkeeper, CPA. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I always recommend Greg uh, Voitanek over at Fade In Financial. He's fantastic. Uh, and I will get your info from him. Yeah, absolutely. He really cares about the people that he supports, primarily writers, but he works yeah. with others too and advises them on also how to help build their wealth so that they don't make foolish money decisions in this career where money is so volatile. It's like it comes, you get a lot and then you don't have any and then it's coming and going and every year is different. You know, it's a very flexible um, type of income and it's smart to be uh, on top of it with the money early so that you can really build wealth. Yeah, you know, and one thing I would say too, when you're working with an attorney and you finally get that contract in, in hand, you 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 do have to be communicative. You do have to collaborate with your attorney to communicate your wants and needs because the attorney is going to have a playbook of what it is that they're running through and ticking off and making sure it's in the contract. But if there's something that you care about specifically, we don't have a crystal ball necessarily to know that right away. Like that they should be positioning that and asking for that? Is that what you mean? You know, like, again, going, I, I use this example to death, but like the allergy thing. Yeah, being able to advocate for yourself. That's what you're saying is you've got to be able to advocate for yourself and say, hey, Josh, this is what I need. Can you get this for me and drive that, you know, forward, right? Is that what you, that's yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, you, you don't want to have things as, as, as laissez-faire as like, you know, I'm just sending my contracts like they're going through a conveyor belt. You want to open a dialogue and have a communication with your attorney to make sure that your wants and needs are being met so that you don't feel like you're getting screwed. So true. I, you know, I've had, certainly had students come through who said, well, I, I read the contracts, but it doesn't mean they understand them. Do you encourage your clients to engage with you and say, hey, I don't understand this clause. What does that mean? Are you going to fill in the blanks for them with that? To a certain degree, um, there's a lot in the contract that is is legal boilerplate and, again, sounds scarier than it actually is or, or is absolute vital or necessary for being in the contract. Um, you know, if a, if a client gets stuck on a particular issue, you know, something like a work for hire provision that is standard and has to go into every contract, you know, it, it, I, I do try to tell them, like, hey, these are the areas that you should be focused on. Look at the compensation. Look at your trailer, look at your credit, look at, you know, how, how does your name appear, the, the, the things that are more personal to you. And I'll explain the legal stuff to you if you have a, like a real good question, but, but you don't have to get that deep into the detail. Right, right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Just making sure that you're at least asking for what you want, because that's that starting point and not making any assumptions or just saying, oh, I'm just going to let you do it. I don't do that. I'm always encouraging my creators, hey, you should at least be engaged in this part of your career. Don't just pass it off and say, oh, well, I'm not an attorney. My attorney does that and not know anything. You should be informed. You should at least have a sense of what to pay attention to, what matters to you. You mentioned that earlier, self-worth coming from self-worth and saying, yeah, I, I'm worthy of um, advocating for, protecting, and the legal side of things is where I get that. Yeah, and, and I mean, knowing what it's going to cost for you to live comfortably, knowing what it, it, it's going to take for you to, again, get that best work out of yourself, that's really important. It's a lot of self-knowledge, self-reflection, and knowing your self-worth. Well, I love that. So um, those who are coming into the career they're new, maybe they're younger or they're pivoting into this career above the line. What tips do you have for those coming into this career above the line, thinking about navigating their careers? Uh, I guess find your wolf pack, right? Uh <laughs> <laughs> Josh! 
no, no, I, I, I cannot emphasize network. And I, I say networking, but a lot of people get a, uh, a negative connotation to that world. So that word, so I say relationship building, but really, you know, I, I, I moved to LA in 2011 and I just instantly started meeting people. And there are people that I've known since 2011 that are now, you know, such good friends and they're on all various aspects of the entertainment industry. This is a, a big business with a lot of different facets and it's incredible the kind of friendships that you can make and in and, and, and how those friendships can help and bolster and you know someone's working on a project here and they know somebody or you need somebody to help you write this thing here and that um, just building that synergy between people um the, the industry is much much smaller than it seems yeah absolutely and i do advise people to move to los angeles if they can because you're in the midst of it and everybody you're talking to, even standing in line at the car wash is like somebody you may end up working with, you know, and it's got a magic that way. I used to work for Gary Shandling and Gary and I met at a clothing store on main street in Venice. And it was just one of these coincidental things where we fell into a conversation and found out, Oh my gosh, we have all these interests in common. He's like, I want you to come work for me, you know? And, And that was just organically came out of, you know, walking through the world in Los Angeles. And there, I don't know if maybe New York, has it, but I don't know of any other city that has it quite like Los Angeles, where anybody that you talk to could end up being a future collaborator, your new best friend. You know, it's pretty fantastic that way. I love it. And it's something, you know, as a, as a entrepreneur, as a small business owner, I am always trying to make myself be cognitive of, because like, you're right, you could be standing in line in the grocery store. And I think maybe some of us have a natural inclination to be like, you know, I, I haven't had my coffee yet. Like, don't talk to me, like, whatever, whatever. Um, but, I, but I myself have to like, try to not force myself, but be more mindful of the fact that I want to introduce myself as I'm going to the store and having these interactions um, and putting myself, my business, um, and not only that, but like really when I, when I'm putting myself in my business board, I'm, I'm not just putting myself in my business. I'm putting my clients, in. Mm-hmm. um, everyone that I meet in terms of a network, as far as law firm that aids my, my, my clients, my, my roster of clients just as much. I really love that. It's true. I think the same thing, you know, being out, getting coffee, wherever you might be, it is easy for us to be in our own worlds, whether you're like on the phone or like, oh, I have the worst case of resting bitch face ever today. But then to sort of come out of that a little bit and remind yourself, hey, there are folks here for whom, you know, I could be aware in this moment in this room of uh, of who has a sparkle, who catches my eye. I have a bit of that sense on Twitter. I've been on Twitter for a long time. I've met so many of my friends, students, you know, podcast uh, guests. Uh, just in that space where we have a connection on on some point of interest. And so whether you're in LA and hopefully you are, or you're on uh, Zoom virtually, you can always reach out. LinkedIn, on Twitter, direct message people and still build those relationships. In my school, I call it community building. Uh, I've also moved away from the networking word because it sounds very like dry and sort of old school, you know, but community, we all need community. It's uh it's really a core piece of the best part of being a human being is being within community. We, we all need community and we all have to understand that there's that degree of people within your tribe, right? It's not always going to be the person that's going to pick you up at 2 a.m. on the side of the road, but we have these relationships and for every uh, every season, there's a person or something like that. And my mom said that. <laughs> mom, we got to call mom. Mom, this is crazy. Yeah, it's almost like the solar system where if you're the sun, you're going to have your inner planets, your Mercury, your Earth, your Venus, and you're going to have outer planets and they're still part of your world, um, but maybe they're not coming in close quite all the time. Well, Josh, it's been a real pleasure being with you today. And thank you so much for taking some time with us on the podcast and sharing your your expertise. I really appreciate you. And I'm going to tell Will that we had a chance to talk today. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And support actors. Oh, wow. Support the actors. Support, support, writers. support entertainment, support the arts. How can people find you on your website and stuff? Where are you? You um, LastingEntertainmentLaw.com. Otherwise, at LastingLaw for all of our social media handles. Um, We're pretty easy to find. Fantastic. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Hollywood Wolfpack. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Please. Help our pack grow by sharing Hollywood Wolfpack with your friends and colleagues. Give us a rating and write us a review. Kaya loves hearing from you and reads them all. For more on Kaya and the Entertainment Business School, 
visit entertainmentbusinessleague.com. Until next week, remember, the strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack.